Are you a busy woman who at times struggles with reducing your daily stress? Do you know that you need to slow down but do not know how? If you're looking at reducing your daily stress, you're in the right place. My name is Denise Eckert and I welcome you to the Calm Your Daily Stress podcast. I just love interviewing guests so they can share their stress-reducing tips and techniques with you. Now, if you find this podcast helpful, please share it with someone who struggles with stress because lowering our stress will make us a better person, a happier partner, mom, friend, neighbor, etc. And the best part is happiness is contagious. Enjoy this episode. Hi there, my name is Denise Eckert, and I'm the host of the Relaxation Lounge. And I love coming on here and sharing different techniques and ideas to help lower the stress in your life. And today I've got something a little bit different. So I've got Dr. Amber, who has a PhD in psychology, and is the founder of To Be Coaching and Consulting. She's a thought leader on the topic of women's rivalry. Amber has 20 years experience as an organizational change strategy and leadership consultant, where she's helped guide businesses through transformational change. We all know what change means to us. Ah. Now, her book, Behind Frenemy Lines, Rising Above Female Rivalry, to be unstoppable together. Now, what inspired you to do this kind of work? Well, first off, thank you for having me on your show today, Denise. So what inspired me? I kind of stumbled upon this topic. I, um, for my PhD, I had to, um, do research. So my background's in psychology in the workplace. And so I had to write about an issue or a problem I saw occurring in the work environment I knew I wanted it to be about women. I just wasn't totally sure of what that was. And I was consulting and a very well-known client. I saw it. I saw this happening and I saw good women walking and it, it wasn't just disrupting the women at hand. It was, it was like everybody could feel it. It's like you were walking on eggshells around this behavior and it was often good women left and the bad behavior as a result was being rewarded. So it, um, I was fascinated by it and I started interviewing women about it. And up until that point, I'd only had little bits of like kind of mean girl behaviors directed at me, but not a big rivalry that came later. So that's what um, piqued my interest. And that's how I, I started on this topic. Now, growing up, did you have a lot of sisters or cousins, female cousins? No, I had, um, I have a huge family from my mom's side, but they lived far, far away. And so I just had a small group of family. I, um, it was me and my brother. My mom was an amazing influence. So I didn't have any rivalry from her. I didn't really have any from my good friends, maybe little bits like in grade school, you know, um, but Nothing that I would have ever thought was an issue, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know growing up, I was the older sister by four years. So yeah. I was always taking care of my sister and even yeah. her friends. So it was more of a, you know, an emotional bond there. I would never bully or yeah, you know, do things like that. But you're a caregiver. Yeah, exactly. So female rivalry looks like or stems from. And what is your experience with them? It comes from so many different things. It's certainly not a black and white behavior. And that's what makes it hard to pinpoint it at times. And I find it's often not really ever talked about. And when it is talked about, it's in the 
making fun of, like with reality TV shows or social media. And so it's, you know, it's a cat fight. It's women being dramatic. And so, um, but what I've learned with my research and collecting all these stories, there's a really deep pain associated with it. And I've had women tell me that they will never work on a team with all women again, or they will never work for another woman again, or they don't have female friends. And that just to me is heartbreaking because we're half the population in the world and women need each other. And it stems from so many things. It could be, um, you know, how you were raised. It could be a need for control. Maybe you had a prominent uh, female figure in your life and you learn these behaviors from her. Um, most often, though, my firm belief is women who love themselves love other women. So if you are not comfortable in your own skin or happy who you are, it's going to be hard to be happy with other people. And, you know, I read that book that um, Gabrielle Bernstein wrote about judgment. Uh, yeah. And you know, it made so much sense. Like if you start judging others, it's yeah. because you're missing something and you're jealous of something in your life. And that really opened up a can of worms for me because even now, like, okay, I have a friend who is doing all this traveling. Yeah. And I'm jealous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I would be too. <laughs> of, yeah. But instead of being mean, jealous and going ring, ring, ring. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so happy for her because I know yes. she works hard. And she probably saved for a year to go on this trip. Yeah. Instead of going, yeah, it goes from rent to, wow, that's beautiful for you. And it's creating that awareness too. Because I mean, you you know, you jump on that judgment, you jump on that rank, and that's just not fair to the other person. Well, and a little, I agree with you. And a little bit is not unhealthy. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it can be a a driver for healthy competition. Um, And like you said, yeah, I've I've experienced that too. When I know my friends are going on a fabulous trip or they have a new house or something and you want, you kind of want that too. But on the other hand, you know, they've worked their tail off and they're, you're happy for them. And I think that's the key thing. You can still have little feelings of jealousy or envy. You know, I, I think that's normal. That's life. But when it escalates to where it turns ugly, that's when you have to check yourself because that's not healthy. Yeah. I know I used to work for the government many, many, many years ago. And yeah. uh, I worked in a department where I was, you know, overlooking about 30 workers. And one site got in there. It was just such a weird, it was a really bad vibe in there. Yeah. And you know what? They were all mothers. They all had kids. And at some point, almost every week, some kid was sick. Yeah. You know, so I just made it, I made a thing. Okay. If you're going to be off, let me know how long you might be off. Let me know what's on your desk that needs to be dealt with. I don't need the details. I want you to take care of your family first. Yeah. And and the whole vibe just changed. That's awesome. You know, but like, because it probably wasn't like that before. No. Yeah. And especially for a poor woman whose child is in and out of the hospital, yeah. you know, you get that rivalry when she gets back. Well, how many times has she taken that day off? Well, she doesn't need that on top of all the her child being sick or those stress. problems. And yeah. the worst is having a sick child. Never mind yeah. 
then you get back and you get the ring, 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 you know, it's like, it's not like she's sitting on the beach drinking cocktails. <laughs> exactly. She's in the hospital and that's never fun for anyone. Yeah. yeah. Well, good for you because I'm sure that, um, that was a weight lifted off of their shoulders and it, it made them feel more safe. I'm a big advocate of having a psychologically safe environment and, that's huge because people feel that they can, you know, be themselves. And it turns out then I ended up with more honesty. Yeah, know? absolutely. Because they there was no fear associated with, I'm in trouble. I've done something wrong. And um, that's good for you. That's wonderful. Well, I had the, I have one extreme example. This one yeah. worked for me and her husband and her daughter just before Desert Storm went to Iran to get their possessions out of the country yeah and they didn't make it before the bombs so her you know she's sitting there at work she can't concentrate no so i said to her you know what up to you you want to take the time off or i'll give you other jobs like basically you know this sounds horrible but i got her stuffing envelopes yeah mindless because you didn't screw up here (laughs) yeah well you're still working but again your brain isn't it's something you can do without thinking about it. So I'm sure she hugely appreciated that. And she's still amongst her coworkers who were supporting her yeah. and out of the house. Like you're not going to sit in your house and worry. Yeah. If she's out and doing something and it's just, I don't know. Yeah. So how do you create that compassion? You have to look at other people as people. So whether it's, you know, I'll give an example for the working environment. Like I find when You get to know who your colleagues are as people and not just somebody that, you know, you're counting how many days they've missed or how many vacation days they've taken or blah, blah, blah. Um, Once you begin to get to know each other as real people, then you you see them for who they are. They're not just a number or a fellow worker. So that's a big part of it. I also um, in a working environment, I think it's important to have open, transparent communication. That's key. So you, and that's from top up, bottom, bottom up, top down. But um, that also dives into the psychological safety of if you feel you can be present and be who you are as a person. So the same person that's at home is the same person that's coming to work. Um, You can be vulnerable. You can tell people, you know, I, I've for so long in working environments, um, you would wear a, you know, kind of a professional work hat and you were different than you are at home. And I think it's slow, but we are starting to evolve and change with that. I think COVID was a big example of how that is happening, but you have to be yourself because you don't just shut off what's happening at work and not take it home with you. And so it's establishing trust. It's, um, you know, being fully present and it has to be at all angles. And that's when you can start to have more empathy and understanding and learn to, you know, get to know people for who they really are. And not looking weak for it. Exactly. That's the huge thing. Everybody's vulnerable, but for so long, it's not been the norm to show that at work. And I think it's weak if you act like you aren't vulnerable or you don't have trust, you know, because think of the stress and how hard that is on your body. If you're, you know, have this facade and it's not really you like that is beyond stressful to keep up an image that, that can just drain, suck the life out of you. And now as an expert, like how does society contribute to this problem? 
Oh gosh. So yeah. like the <laughs> opening of a bag of yeah, worms here. Worms. Um, well, like the reality TV shows, you know, social media. And I think now um, I call it keyboard courage, but um, now with social media, it's so easy to tear somebody down. I mean, you see lots of examples of where people are supporting too. So I don't want to, you know, um, kick that to the curb, but it's easy to, to be ugly and be, um, you know, get attention for it. You look at movies or TV shows where it's like it captures an audience of women, you know, having this cat fight or, you know, treating each other ugly. And I look at these stories I've collected. So I'll give example of in the workplace, you know, it might be that it's a rivalry, but if it's ongoing, that escalates to a full on bullying behavior that never helps anyone, but often because it's a touchy subject, because it's often not seen by people because it's very intangible. It's very passive aggressive. Sometimes it's just your gut feeling telling you something's not right. Like these things are hard to share with other people. So it makes, and you'll feel crazy. So there are so many factors that contribute to it that are hard to tell other people about. And it's certainly not funny. And I know I couldn't diagnose it, but I do know women that have interacted and had ongoing rivalries from another woman. I know they've had some form of PTSD. Yeah. If you can't trust or be friends with another woman again, after what you've experienced, um, it's certainly a big deal. Yeah. And that's scary. It's so scary. And it's just, it's heartbreaking because women need each other. There are scientific facts about the dopamine when women are together and, you know, how that's activated in your body, but we need a support system and we need um, to know that somebody has your back, whether you're sitting there with them or not. Absolutely. I've got a funny little story, but when I was younger, my hair used to be so straight, I couldn't put a ponytail into it. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> this girl across the street had this beautiful hair and these giant ponytails, and she always did stuff with her hair. And I was a little crap. I mean, I go and I pull out the ponytail things, right? Like, I never heard her, but that was my thing. Yeah. And I, you know, I wasn't a bully, but that time, yes, I guess. And I went for this big job interview, and guess who was interviewing me? <laughs> And I and bet I'm she like, remembered you. Oh my you. god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I said to her, you know what? I was always so jealous of your hair. Yeah. And she goes, yeah, don't worry about it. But talk about things coming around and bite you in the butt, eh? <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. So she probably saw you and totally remembered who you were. <laughs> the mean girl that pulled my hair <laughs> all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. But yeah, I mean, a way to react. And you were young. You know what I mean? Like it's um. Yeah, I was probably like 10 years old. And- exactly. You're still developing and learning how to curb your behaviors. Or I tell my kids, practice the pause before you react. It's not always so easy to do, but it, it will help you in the long run. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you see a situation like this in the workplace or yeah. in a community, what are the steps you can do to get involved and change it or diffuse it? Are there any steps you can take there? 
Just a quick break, because I need to share this with you. In the past, I had a lot of pain in my shoulder, my knees, my ankle, and I know it's from my background of playing baseball, I used to be a carpenter, from driving, and even working on my computer. I tried everything, and still, I'd be on the couch with my heating pad in pain. Well, lately, a friend introduced me to a new product called NutraSwish. Things changed for me. I'm not kidding you. Within days, no pain. And now I've been taking it for a few months, and what a difference. NutraSwish is all about glutathione. I didn't even know what glutathione was. Well, you know what? I sure do now. If you are experiencing pain, especially nerve damage, I encourage you to take a look. You can find out more in the show notes or go to www.therelaxationlounge.info and there's a tab above that says pain. Back to the show. So look, if you are an onlooker and seeing this occur, I think it's important to first um, ask the person if, if how they're feeling, if they need support or help. Um, Sometimes um, they don't want help. They may not even, because it's so hard to, to share with other people with it being so passive aggressive and intangible, they may not even be fully aware that that's what's occurring. So definitely ask, say, I'm here for you. If you need support, um, just letting that person know that. And then how can I help you? Um, in a bigger setting, um, I think, um, implementing bystander training is huge and having that as like your yearly review about this is what you do have a no tolerance zone. Like it's not three strikes you're out. Maybe it's not even one strike. Like we don't tolerate this bullying type of behavior because so it's, that causes people to check themselves. Um, and just going back to the communication and having that open, transparent communication, it's talking about these behaviors. So just knowing that everybody has been trained or has awareness that this is not to be tolerated. If it's happening to you and you do realize it, but you're having a hard time um, talking about it, which is so often the case until you're out of it because reflection is key, but um Document, document, document. So after a while, if even if you can't pull, fully pinpoint what's going on, after a while, if you're documenting what's occurring, a theme will be, begin to emerge and that will help you be able to share it with somebody else, especially at work when they will, if you went to HR or if you went to a manager, they would ask for proof. Yeah. And it, sometimes it is embarrassing too. It's, uh, I don't know, a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, growing up, my mom would just go, suck it up. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, and it, it, but there is, I heard that too, but it, it's embarrassing, <laughs> but there is shame associated with it because you think, because it happens so slyly at first, like you'll think, well, she didn't just do that to me. I didn't do anything to her. So then you'll begin to doubt yourself. And then after it escalates, the shame will come in because you'll think, well, why did I let somebody treat me that way? But when it happens over time and your self-confidence is eroding and maybe you're in a job at work that you don't care for, I mean, this could be social or in a family too. It just doesn't have to be at work. Um, There is shame that why didn't I stop it? But sometimes you just can't. Yeah. You have no control over anybody else's behavior, but your own. And I hate to say this, but there are a lot of, manipulative people out there yeah narcissists. and when yeah. you start showing that it's affecting you yes. you become more of a target 
Yes. And at that, in that place, where do you go? Do you actually support? Well, and it all depends on the situation. So you're right. Like they will gaslight you. And if they know they're impacting you, the, the behavior will probably escalate. Um, I tell women and um, clients, like sometimes you have to take a hard look at what is going on, how it's impacting you, how you feel, whether it's at work or in a family or social setting, um, you'll probably need to set up boundaries and that's never easy to do. And the second thing, I'm not an advocate of just quitting your job, but if you are in a negative culture where this behavior is being supported, even if it was addressed with this other person, is that the type of culture you want to be in? Because it could continue. And I always tell people, one thing that you can always do is keep your resume up to date because looking for a job is a full-time job. And that way it's not as hard, you know, to, to fall back and say, okay, I'm out of here. But it's not always just so easy to quit your job because that's your livelihood and how you make money. So it's, it's, it can be very difficult. I like that, what you said. And, you know, it's almost like you, if you, can you imagine if that person wasn't there, what is the rest of the environment like? And is it something, yeah, do you really want to be there? Yeah. And those a lot are of hard times, questions. Yeah. yeah. So when a bad environment is a bad environment, then you'll have many different bad behaviors. Yes. Not and, just that. There's probably a whole plethora of things that are going on that you're realizing you're not happy with. But, you know, in, in a work situation, if this is being directed at you by somebody that either um, influences your promotional path or has say in it or writes your paycheck, there's fear associated with it, too. So it's just not so easy to deal with it in the moment. I mean, there's so many things that can cause it. Now, actually, what type of work do you actually do? Well, let's use the word actually a few times. That's okay. I actually, <laughs> um, so <laughs> I give talks on this behavior, a lot uh-huh. of talking to big groups that can be organizations. I do a lot of talks too with mothers and daughters. Um, that's been eye-opening for the moms. Um, I'll do workshops and then um, going in and conduct assessments on, you know, it, to know if this is occurring and then what we can do to help you overcome it or at least acknowledge that it's occurring. So um, that comes with some consulting work. That's that's it in a nutshell. And I love that companies are taking this seriously and bringing an external person in and taking a look at the interior culture. Yes, I think um, the buzzword lately is psychologically safe, psychologically, psychological safety. (laughs) There's truth to it. And I think COVID and different movements that have been occurring are making people look differently about how we work and how we approach it. And again, you spend so much time working, you have to feel safe. And if you look at statistics, like Productivity goes up when people feel safe and they feel like they are a contributor and, you know, they're part of a team and that people have their back. And so there's something to be said about really diving into what that means to your culture, whether it's work or family or social. Absolutely. Now, I understand you have a giveaway for the listeners today. I do. It's um, 
how to know if female rivalry is impacting you. So why good women walk? So um, it just gives highlights about what this looks like. And often with so many women that I've interviewed, like I've said, they didn't realize it was happening when it was occurring. I even experienced this after I did research on it. Just some points to look at and um, know if it's occurring to kind of help you better understand that, no, you're not crazy. No, you're not alone, that this is a real thing. Wonderful. Okay, so we're going to be wrapping this up. Yeah. So what are your final words of wisdom to share with the audience today? One of the most common themes I receive from women who've experienced this is that they feel alone and that breaks my heart because it doesn't have to be this way. You just have to find your right people, your right group. That in itself can sometimes take time. But if you network and you put yourself out there, I liken it to dating. If you, you know, when you met your significant other, you probably were dating to find that person. And so if you put that same hat on to approach dating women to find your people. It sounds a little crazy, but it's true. It takes work, but you will find your right tribe, your right circle, your right group. And um, it's well worth the work that you put into it because you are not alone. There are women out there that uplift and empower each other. And once you have that, it will just change the way you view things. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Amber. So wherever you're watching or listening to this interview, I will be putting all her contact information plus her link to the free download. And feel free, if you are experiencing this, feel free to reach out and ask her questions. So thank you so much, Dr. Amber. Thank you for having me. And yes, absolutely reach out. And thank you for listening to this episode. And I will see you in the next one. Thank you for listening to the Calm Your Daily Stress podcast. Have you ever wondered what your stress personality is? Are you a self-care goddess or a burnout queen? Well, you can find out by taking my free quiz. You just need to go to www.stressquiz.info to find out where you rank. Sending you love and peace, and I'll see you in the next episode.